Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome to the Corner of Truth and Courage. You're listening to Fortress of Faith, and today we're going to be talking about Salman Rushdie, the author that was recently stabbed in New York. Uh, He was there scheduled to give a speech, and a Muslim ran to the stage and began to stab Salman Rushdie, the British author who wrote back in 1988 the book that made him him famous, Satanic Verses. And so in today's broadcast, we're going to be covering what was it that that, uh, Salman Rushdie revealed or exposed about Islam that Muslims hate him so much. What does this all mean? And so we're going to try to connect the dots here and give some background to that on today's broadcast. Aren't you grateful that you were born in a nation where the gospel reached your address? I sure am. I mean, I was fortunate. I was born in Indiana into a preacher's home. Of course, that didn't make me a Christian. I didn't, you know, you're not saved because you're born in a Christian home or a preacher's home, but it did expose me to the gospel at an early age. I'm so glad for that. That was God's grace. I could have been born, though, in India or Pakistan or Bangladesh or somewhere else to a Muslim home uh, with an imam as a father and been raised with the Quran as God's scriptures and been taught a false teaching and wouldn't know it. You know, for that matter, so could have you. Uh, We're fortunate here to have the Bible, to have the scriptures, to have it available to us. Muslims, they live in a world where they're not allowed to ask questions. They're not allowed to uh, investigate and and, um, query. If they do that, you're in trouble. You know, you're a troublemaker, and troublemakers don't stay alive. So they live in, in an age, in a time still, where being a Muslim Uh, You're not allowed to ask questions. Well, Salman Rushdie did. He was born a Muslim in Bombay, India, then came to England. His folks were moderate Muslims, and he became an atheist, became an unbeliever. And it doesn't take much to read about Islam and to study its resources. If you're a thinking person, if you're an educated person, and start asking questions and look for them, in Islam, you're going to quickly understand, my goodness, this, this is a false religion. Things don't connect. Things don't add up here. And he discovered one of the secrets that Muslims, that Islam would wish no one knew. We'll talk about that here in a moment. To understand this, you need to kind of go back to the pre-Islamic days uh, in Arabia. We call it the Jahiliyat, meaning the age of ignorance. Arabia was filled with polytheism, multiple gods, idols everywhere. And in Arabia, there were four major religious areas. They had these Kaabas, these cubed-shaped buildings. And inside them, they had a multitude of gods. In Mecca, they had 360 deities that were worshipped there. And 
Muhammad comes along in the year 610, begins to receiving uh, revelations from a jinn, a spirit, that later he discovers because of the help of his wife that it's not a demon, but rather the angel Gabriel. And all the revelations that we have in the Quran come from this spirit. God never talked straight to Muhammad. Allah never talked to him directly. He always talked to him through a medium, through this spirit, and who he believed was the angel Gabriel. Well, I believe he was correct at the first um, inclination, thinking that it was a demon, but <laughs> that's for another time. But anyhow, um, he now gets these words that the his his favorite god, Allah the moon god, is the true and single God, the same God who created heaven and earth, the God uh, who gave his revelations to the Jews through prophets, through Adam and Abraham and Moses and David and Solomon and and all that, and even Jesus. Uh, But he thinks he's now one of the new prophets and starts to get these revelations. And one of the things he learns is that there's only one God. There are no other gods, but Allah Allah, the moon God, is that true God, and everything else is false. So he begins to preach monotheism, and Islam, Muslims today, will claim to be the one true monotheism. They don't believe we Christians are because we believe in three gods, God the Father, God the Son, and Mary. Yeah, yeah, you heard me right. They think we worship, you know, God the Father, God the Son, and Mary as three different gods. He didn't know the Bible much, did he? But so they, they, you know, want to purport themselves as monotheists. Now, here's what happened. He had about 120 followers, people that left polytheism, left their darling deities, and just embraced Allah. But he gets this revelation one day, and it's uh, found in the Quran. It's found in Surah 53, verses 19 through 24, and it reads this, the first verse there. Have ye thought upon Alat and Al-Uzza and Manat? And so he lists three deities. These are female deities, by the way, which in the age of ignorance before Islam, the polytheists believed that Allah, the moon god, had daughters. And these are his three daughters. And so now Muhammad then proclaims or suggests to them, have you considered these three deities? And these were popular deities. Alusa was the god of the maidens, the god of the virgins and the stars and, and the goddess of justice and war and honor and passion. So Alusa was a popular god. Then there was Alat, which was the fertility god and of springtime and of prosperity. And Manat was associated with fate and fortune and death and time and, and stuff. And so these gods were essential to their, you know, how life occurred. You know, if you are young, you're, you're a child and you, you're in war and, and you want justice and you want honor and you're passionate and stuff, you'd pray to that god. If you wanted to be pregnant and have children and prosperity, you'd pray to a lot. And if you wanted uh, fortune and you had uh, issues with uh, health and, you know, feared death and whatever, you'd pray to Manat and, and stuff. And so these were popular gods. And now Muhammad is saying, hey, yeah, consider them. 
And so now his followers come to him and say, hold on, what gives here? You know, you, you told us very, very, very clearly there's only one God. And everything else is blasphemy, is uh, idolatry and wickedness. And Allah is anger, angry with those who do this. And, and now you're saying it's okay to go back to some of our gods? And so Muhammad's now in a bit of a problem here. And so how does he dig himself out of it? He tells his followers, ah, I can't believe I did this. I thought Gabriel was speaking to me, but I was deceived. The devil made me do it. The devil made me say these things. And so what do we have here? We've got a flimsy uh, attempt to try to explain away his clear mistake. The prophet didn't even know who the angel was or and stuff. And he may clearly made a mistake according to his doctrinal plans, because now he's teaching something that is contrary. Now, see, this poses a problem for Islam. And its second problem it proposes is that these are the daughters of Allah. And one of the main (laughs) tenets of Islam is that Allah neither begets nor is begotten. He has no son. See, they make this big distinction there why Christians are wrong because they're saying that God has a son, that God can be a father. And they vehemently will oppose any suggestion that God, Allah, can have children or God is a father and stuff. They believe that's heresy that was born out of Christianity. And it's, you know, it, it would, it's so bad, it's shirk. It's taking Jesus and, and claiming that he could be the son of God, that a prophet of God, Jesus, is equal with God. They believe that's what Christians are doing when they say Jesus is God, that they're elevating a man to being equal with God. That's called shirk. And, you know, God has no son. God is not a father. It's the only religion in the world that not only takes away the deity of Jesus Christ, but they also deny God being a father. But the, the satanic verses that are in the Quran poses a problem, and Salman Rushdie exposed it. He brought it to the Muslim world that your prophet is teaching that it's okay to worship these three other gods, his daughters, and, and so uh, that's why the clerics of Islam absolutely forbid anyone from reading the satanic verses. They don't want them to even read the Quran to tell you the truth. You're not allowed to read the Quran unless you have an imam explain it to you. The same way that some Christian religions were operating. You know, you can't read the Bible. They wouldn't allow the Bible to be translated into the common language because they didn't want people to really know what the Bible had to say. They wanted to retain their position and keep the people underneath them under their thumb. Well, in Islam, not only do they want to do it for their power, but they're afraid that they might discover some of the problems that are in the Quran. And so clearly we have a a very difficult thing for Muslims to defend and uh, to deal with. I mean, how do you 
deal with that if you're a Muslim with these verses in your Bible. Have you considered, you know, these deities? It's very problematic for them. So a fatwa was put on Salman Rushdie's life back in 1988. Now, the Ayatollah Khomeini actually did remove the fatwa 10 years later. But the Islamic world didn't get that memo. And so this attack that occurred here just this, um, uh, this last week in New York on him is a result of that fatwa. Now, I will say the latest news is that uh, Rushdie is off the ventilator. He is now talking. There, He's still in critical condition, but the prognosis is looking good, good and things are getting better. But I want <clears throat> to just close with these thoughts. For us that are Christians, I want you to take away two things. One, praise God that you were born where the truth is freely propagated and preached, and we have God's Word here, and we can have that assurance and have that knowledge and just give thanksgiving to God. But let's pray for Muslims. They're born in darkness. They're kept in darkness out of fear. Islam is a religion of fear. And again, you know, fear. You speak out the truth against Islam. You speak uh, anything that's going to insult or harm Islam, we're going to kill you. Fear. Fear, fear, fear. Those who live in it and those who live outside of Islam, Islam's main objective is fear. It can't operate without it. And let's pray for Muslims, that those who are coming here to the West will have the courage to look for the truth, and they can find it in the Word of God. And Christians, we need to be sharing it with them. That's going to be it for today. Join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.